The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, I still didn't feel the blood sugar come back up. And now I knew that I had 20, 30 minutes walk back to the car. I had now something like two glucose tablets left. And I was like, oh shit, I have to make it back to the car. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. It's good to have you back. It's good to be back in the hot seat. Hope you've had a good week. I hope you're ready to listen to a great, great episode. Mr. Graham O'Toole, how are you doing? I'm feeling good on because yesterday in Ireland, we began phase three. And look, I didn't want to bring it up, but you haven't noticed my haircut. And I'm a little bit disappointed in you, Owen, to be honest. Duck down slightly there and I might be able to see. Yeah, because the microphone is in the way on the camera here. Graham, you look beautiful. Well, we've had two video calls since I've had the haircut (laughs) and it took me to say it to, uh, for you to notice. I just wanted to say it on the podcast for the first time, just so it it could be fresh. It could be authentic. You look great, Graham. Uh, I've been getting haircuts since phase three. What have you been up to? So right now I'm actually not in Bray. It's, it's like a portable podcast at this stage. Last week, I was in a small box room in my house. Now I am in a different part of Ireland. As you said, the restrictions have been lifted. So I drove to my brother's house, who I haven't seen in, I suppose, maybe well over probably a couple of months since before the virus. So it's been a good time. I'm here. He got a new kitten, <laughs> so, so I've been playing with that. And then they've they've like a, a full grown cat called Mabel. <laughs> so they be they be killing each other some of the times. But it's it's mad because you see this kitten that is like, I think eight weeks old or something, and you can shine this little laser to kind of like keep her entertained. But they almost they've this like instinctive hunting gene in them or whatever it's just mad like this tiny cat is just like a killer (laughs) you know so it's funny but yeah apart from that great week except what happened to me yesterday wait until you hear this now obviously i preach about how diabetes is like a condition that you need you need to anticipate and plan and prepare for no matter what you're doing but i planned yesterday everything was going 
as it usually does. And then it was like, shit hit the fan. I was like, oh shit. Yesterday was like the first time where I've genuinely felt in danger with diabetes, which was uh, strange. Had it got anything to do with you being away from home or... Well, well, actually, I'll just stop asking questions. Yeah, you just tell us what happened. I mean, I'm very much intrigued. Let, let me tell the story. Will you stop interrupting? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, well, first of all, how was your week? My week was good, but I want to know about your week. <laughs> I always feel as if I don't ask you at the start of the podcast. I'm okay. I got my haircut. I smashed my phone. It cost me 200 euro to fix. Uh, a bit of a mixed bag for me. I want to know about what happened to you. <laughs> okay. So, as we know, two, three weeks ago, I got my very first CGM. So, continuous glucose monitor consistently monitors your blood sugar you can view it almost like a live feed or a live reading on your phone it updates every five minutes which is fantastic it like i can't speak highly enough of it but i suppose the first two three weeks with it almost went too well it was too good to be true because me who was somebody who has gone eight nine years of consistently pricking my finger six, seven, eight, nine, ten times a day to now not pricking my finger at all and viewing my blood sugar as this kind of live reading. I thought something has to slip up here at some stage. And yesterday, I suppose, I suppose is when that happened. So I haven't changed my routine since I got it. I've, you know, I eat the same food. I, I go about my day the same way. But basically what happened to me yesterday was I got up did some work, had my breakfast. And then the thing about having a CGM is you see your blood sugar spike when you eat. So the advantage of that is when you eat, you will see the graph spike. This is obviously the glucose being released into your bloodstream, spiking your blood sugar. So because I've lived my life for the past nine years without seeing this live spike, what I would do is I would take my insulin, eat my food, and then check my blood sugar maybe an hour or an hour and a half after I eat that food. So that time has kind of given my bloods time to settle down. So the insulin's counteracting the glucose, things are settling down, blah de blah de blah. So I suppose yesterday when I was working, I ate food and I saw that live spike. And then I was like, hold on. Is that spiking because it's just naturally spiking or I haven't taken enough insulin? And then I suppose I just made that decision to take another dose of insulin to counteract the high. So that was fine. Continued to work for maybe half an hour or so. And then I ended up going out for like a a longish nature kind of coastal walk with my parents. Right. So as I said, it's important to prepare what you're doing no matter what it is you're doing with diabetes. So when I was like walking out the door, basically to go on this walk, I picked up a new packet of glucose tablets. So an entire, entire, entirely new packet of glucose tablets, which would always kind of sort me out, would always keep me safe for like even a full night out because of my bloods dropped. I take glucose tablets and that'd be fine. So I had this brand new packet, went out on the walk and I suppose maybe 15, 20 minutes in, I was walking and I was kind of like, hmm, I feel as if my bloods are kind of like shifting and I feel as if they're not 
stable, let's say. So to a non-diabetic, what does that feel like? It feels as if your vision is going blurry. You feel very weak. It's almost kind of like, I suppose when you get to a certain low level, it's like your whole body's melting. It's impossible to describe, but you know, you're weak. You, this kind of feeling of hunger comes over your entire body. It's kind of just like your body subconsciously telling you, well, very consciously, I suppose, <laughs> telling you that I need sugar right now. You know, nothing else matters. I just need sugar. Now, I could feel that coming on, but it wasn't so low where I was like in a hypoglycemic state, which is classified as a low blood sugar. So I could see it on my phone, this live reading of my blood sugar going down. So I was like, okay, I'm going to have two glucose tablets just to ensure that it doesn't drop down. Because when you're walking, well, for me anyway, I'm more inclined to have my blood sugar drop. So I had these glucose tablets, continued walking for maybe another five, 10 minutes, checked again. I still had my blood sugar coming down. I was like, oh, I was like, what's going on here? It's like, are these glucose tablets not working? Or So I took another two, continued to walk for maybe five minutes. And here's me thinking I'm fine because I still have three quarters of a packet of glucose tablets left. And you're walking in a rural area. So there's no shops, no garages, no pubs or restaurants that you can run into you're basically out on your own and the more you walk the further you're getting away from we'll call it civilization <laughs> yeah, where, you, yeah. <laughs> where there's stuff to help you out okay? yeah basically so it's kind of like yeah the more you go the more isolated you become physically in an environment i suppose the more threatening <laughs> the situation can be you know but i was still confident that I, i'd be fine because i had had food I still had three quarters of a glucose tablet packet left. So I continued to walk and then... I'm sorry, how many units of insulin did you take? Just to remind me. It was two altogether. So I generally would take one, but because I saw that spike, I was kind of thrown off and took another one. Okay. Essentially, it was double dose for me, which isn't a lot, but for me, that like it's still double the dose, you know? Yeah. So continued to walk and then I really started feeling my blood sugar drop. And now this is a time where a diabetic will feel like their body, it, it's that melting feeling of like, ooh, your body's kind of like shutting down to an extent, really. Now, it hadn't dropped to a dangerous level yet, obviously. So knocked back like four glucose tablets. We started walking a bit slower then just to kind of give it that time to come back up. And this whole time... I didn't really say anything to my parents because I didn't want them to worry about it because I'm always confident with with my diabetes and stuff and I don't want to worry somebody else unless I have to. (laughs) So we continued walking and then I think I I need to go to the toilet. So I dipped into a bush to do the business. And when I walked in, I like hit my head off a branch that for some reason I didn't even see. But now looking back, I didn't see it because... I was kind of like already dazed in my head because my blood sugars were on the way down, right? So yeah. when I came back out, checked my blood sugar, wasn't budging at all. It was still on the way down. I was like, oh. I was like, so what? what is your blood sugar at now? I think it was just under four. Now, generally, I wouldn't worry about that if I'm kind of like sitting around doing work. But because I was like maybe 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes away from the car, 20, 30 minutes away from a shop, to get any sort of glucose to bring it back up or whatever. I was like, oh, Jesus. 
So I, I turned to my dad and I was like, I'm having some pretty, pretty stubborn blood sugars right now. So I don't feel comfortable going any further. And he was like, okay, 100%, like, we'll go back or whatever. So I still didn't feel the blood sugar come back up. And now I knew that I had 20, 30 minutes walk back to the car. I had, I think, now something like two glucose tablets left. And I was like, oh, shit. I have to make it back to the car. And what what was so stressful about it was because the physical act of walking to the car is also going to bring my blood sugar back down. So did you have to decide, this could be a stupid question, but which act of getting back to the car would would cause less damage, i.e. you could run... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which would get you there quicker, but would that waste more energy as opposed to walking, which would take you longer? Was that a decision in your head? 100%. And I was thinking while I was walking back, I was thinking about, I don't remember where I heard it, but it was like, if you're stuck in a desert in a car, is it more important to drive really, really slowly to kind of preserve as much fuel as you can or drive as fast as you can to get there faster? So that, yeah. I had that mentality with myself. So, so because I had like 20, 30 minutes back, I then ate the last of the glucose tablets to kind of just make sure to try and keep me up. So I was like, all right, that's all I have. I have to make it back to the car. So this whole walk home, I was basically, I had my eyes glued to my phone to watch this live reading of my blood sugar to see if it was going up or continuing to drop. And I was like, oh shit. Right. And what, what made it worse was, was the fact that it is live, but it's a five minute delay for your blood sugar. So it will update every five minutes. So I was looking at it for five minutes before it would go up or down. The arrow would go up or down. So it was almost like my life. Well, not my life. I don't want to be too drastic about it, but it was like, it was like my life depends on this arrow going up which means my blood sugar is rising or the arrow going down, which means my blood sugar is continuing to drop. So I was walking, 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 all these thoughts going through your head, just like the hypo anxiety episode that we've been talking about. It's like, shit, if my blood sugar drops, you know, I've nothing to bring it back up. Do I need to try and catch up with somebody else walking to see if they have like any sugar or anything with them? Basically, I, I was still walking, still walking. And I eventually... I think it was like after three updates of my blood sugar reading that I eventually saw the arrow go up. So this was the first indication that <gasps> the glucose tablets are kicking in. My blood sugar is now rising. And you know what it felt like? Have you seen Gladiator? That film, the film yeah. It was like, you know, when, when the emperor or whatever puts his thumb up or thumb down. It was, it was, oh it was as if this blood sugar reading was him putting his thumb up saying, you can survive, you deserve to live. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was the first time in my life where I was like, oh my God, this can be very bad in the next five, 10 minutes. It was, there was nothing else I had to, to bring my blood sugar back up. So I just, I had to make it back to the shop and I eventually got like, I rushed to the shop and I got, I got like two cartons of apple juice and down them and brought me back up. 
But I'd like if you did it right in front of the shopkeeper, <laughs> where you're just like through through the money across and just started like spraying it right down your throat. Yeah. You said there at the beginning of the story that you took a full packet of glucose tablets. Mm. I presume that's probably the best decision you've ever made because I'd see you in the gym the odd time. You maybe have half a packet here, half a packet there. It could have been so different if you didn't take the full packet. Absolutely. And it's funny because I will always have a packet of glucose tablets on me. It's, it's like my phone. When you leave your house, it's like phone, wallet, keys. And for me, it's phone, wallet, keys, insulin, glucose tablets. It's just, I have to have them on me. I always have them on me. But the vast majority of the time, the glucose tablets that I do have on me are maybe like a packet from a few days ago where there's two, three, four missing. But I made that conscious, like split second decision of, nah, I'll grab, I'll grab that new packet. I'll grab the full packet just in case. But see if I had just kept the ones that I already had in my jeans, I would have been fucked. <laughs> Did you think about what you would have done? Would you have called 999? Or did that go through your head or were you too preoccupied trying to get back to the car that you didn't allow your, your brain to go there? Because I presume, yeah, we just said it, this is the whole hypo-anxiety mm. thing, but this actually happened. It wasn't anxiety. This literally happened. Mm. You were very close to uh, going into a hypo. Yeah, no, it, like there's a million different thoughts going through your head. You're thinking, oh, I'm going to fall to the floor and, and pass out. I'm going to fall to the floor and somebody's going to run up and think like, what, what's wrong with this guy? What do I do? How can I help him? Or else, do I call 999 now? Do I wait to see if I do pass out? Like, um, there's a million thoughts going through your head, but it's almost like you're just holding on by a thread, praying that, that your blood sugars don't continue to drop. It's very important then. I, th I think it was... In last week's episode, when we talked about alcohol and diabetes, that you said it's very important to have a band or a, a wristband or something on you that tells people that you are a type one diabetic in case something like that happens where you have prepared as best you can, but still it can catch you out. And if you did, God forbid, that you ended up collapsing there, someone found you, they would have seen your wrist and were able to call an ambulance and let them know what was going on. Absolutely. Yeah. I have a medical band on my wrist. I always have had one like since I've got diabetes that it's an essential part of being diabetic <clears throat> excuse me because just like yesterday you don't know when or where you're going to need one and if you're passed out on the floor the chances are the first thing like a paramedic now particularly will check is your neck or your wrist to see if there's a band or even a medical card in your in your wallet so say if I had passed out and just by chance there was a paramedic walking by or whatever happened and I didn't have a medical band on, they wouldn't have a clue I'm diabetic. Imagine I was just walking around, just phone, wallet, keys, no insulin, no glucose tablets to indicate that I'm diabetic, no medical band. They'd be like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? I have no idea how to treat this person. So it's absolutely essential. And I suppose that having a medical band is kind of like a bit of a lifeline. Because if, God forbid, something does happen and you pass out, at least you have on your wrist Owen Costello, type 1 diabetic. So I suppose when I, was, when I was walking back to the car, that was a bit of comfort I had. And my parents were there too, which was fine. But um, 
yeah, I tried not I tried not to let on for their for their sake too, because the two of them would have been freaking if I had like expressed how potentially dangerous this situation actually was. And that would have probably have made you more of stressed course. as well that they were 100%. stressed. And now funnily enough, they'll be listening to this podcast and then after they listen to the podcast, they were like what the hell are you doing? Not to, you're not telling us how serious yesterday was. So uh, we have talked about preparing for a night out, uh, drinking alcohol, going on holidays and stuff like that. But it is just as important to make sure you're prepared when you're doing the mundane things, when you're going to, to work, when you're maybe going for a drive, meeting friends, not for alcohol, but maybe just for a quick coffee. It's imperative that you have everything with you all the time, just in case something like this happened. Because if Owen Costello, the host of the Insulone podcast, <laughs> can still get caught out, anybody can get caught out. As I've said a million times, there is no perfect diabetic out there. They just don't exist. Everybody has highs, everybody has lows. That's the way it is. And living with diabetes, you have to be prepared for whatever it is you're doing, even if it's the smallest thing in the world, even if it's the smallest driving to school or driving to college or driving to work, that may only be a 10, 15 minute drive. But if you don't have glucose tablets or you don't have insulin or whatever it is that you need, potentially something very, very bad can happen in a split second. And yesterday for me, that was a perfect example. As we know, I'm somebody who does manage my diabetes well. I pride myself in that. I treat it very seriously. But something as tiny as one unit extra of insulin completely threw me off and put me into a very, very, very dangerous situation. Probably the most dangerous one I've been in in my whole nine years of being a diabetic. This is more of a functional question. I'm just interested. You say that you bring your phone keys and wallet plus your glucose tablets and your insulin. Where do you put them? Because there's not that much space in your pockets. (laughs) I know. Do you have a little bag or something? I just, just have to load up my pockets. And it's funny, I suppose that's that's one of the, the, the best parts of having a CGM now because I don't have to carry around that massive, big blood glucose testing kit. You've seen it a million times, Graham, yeah. when we go out. So that always goes in my back right pocket. So that's fairly chunky and you put that in your back pocket. It looks like one side of your ass is like <laughs> double the size of the other side. Doing some strange spots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, uh, I remember you telling a story I think it was earlier on in the podcast, but it's good to bring it up again because it's just as a quick reminder, maybe people haven't listened to the earlier episodes. I remember you were in the pharmacy and you were getting your medication. I think you were getting your insulin and you got chatting to an elderly diabetic who says he only brings, what was it, a biscuit or something for a walk? Yeah. And if if this was him on your walk, that wouldn't have been enough, I presume. Absolutely not. I even get nervous even thinking about... If it was him yesterday, <laughs> madness, right? So I suppose a few months ago, I was down in the pharmacy or the chemist, whatever it is, and I was picking up my diabetes supplies, getting my insulin, blood testing strips or whatever it was. And there was an elderly couple standing next to me and they obviously heard me like ordering my supplies, basically. So he said, oh, you're a diabetic. And I was like, I'm indeed. And he goes, I am too. And we just kind of got chatting then. He was type one. He's been type one, I think, for well over 40 years or something. So he's a veteran at this stage. But I just got chatting to him and I was asking him, you know, like how the health was, what he does, how's, you know, just general diabetes chat, really. 
And he was telling me the exercise that he loves to do is kind of going on long, long hikes or walks or nature walks, the kind of thing that I was doing yesterday. And, um, you know, I was obviously curious to see how other diabetics prepare for things. And I said, oh, like, is there a certain, um, sorry, my text comment going off. Is there a certain way you prepare for, for these long walks or hikes? And he goes, mm, not really. And I was like, well, like, would you alter your insulin or would you change the food that you eat? Or what, what, what is there anything you do? He goes, no, not really. And I just said, oh, no. And I was kind of like, what the hell? And I go, well, is there, I presume you like take snacks or glucose tablets or whatever it is with you just in case, you know, you go low. And he goes, well, and then he whips out from his pocket a single biscuit. And I was like, first of all, I was thinking, why does he have a biscuit in his pocket? Didn't even have any wrapping or anything on it. <laughs> but uh, Tasty yeah, biscuit. It was like biscuit. a digestive or something. And he goes, I just bring this with me in case my blood sugars go down. And I was almost kind of like shocked at that because he said he goes on these hikes by himself a lot of the time. Imagine you were up like the, the Dublin mountains hiking or, or Glen de Lock or whatever hiking and your blood sugar goes low and all you have is a digestive biscuit. Lunatic. <laughs> Lunatic. It's scary. Yeah. It's scary to think. Um, but I think the key message so far has been prepare, prepare, prepare and over prepare as well. Um, let's move to an email that we didn't get to last week because it was a long one with alcohol and diabetes. We we're going to touch on the one from Jack. And if you want to email, you can ask Owen absolutely anything. It is the insulowenpodcast at gmail.com. Jack says, well, lads, when I get the feeling of a high blood sugar, I want it to be gone as soon as possible. What methods do you have of getting rid of your high, but also keeping your blood sugar from crashing towards a low in the process? And that's from Jack. I think that's very apt as well for this podcast because mm. you kind of had the similar experience. Absolutely. Thank you, Jack, for emailing in. I appreciate it. And... Yeah, look, when you have a blood a high blood sugar, it's a very, very uncomfortable feeling. You just want to get rid of that feeling as fast as you can. And I suppose that the two main main ways that would jump out at me are obviously taking insulin itself and exercise. So if my blood sugar is high, just like Jack, I want to bring it down as fast as possible. So I use an insulin called Nova Rapid. And depending on how high I am, I will obviously take one, two, three units, whatever it is. But there's not really much you can do in terms of the time it takes for your blood sugar to come back down. Because if you're taking Nova, now I don't know what insulin Jack is taking, but if I was to take my Nova Rapid, that doesn't really start working until 15, 20 minutes after and may not peak until, you know, 45 minutes or an hour after that too. So it's not as if you can take insulin and, 30 seconds later, your blood sugar is going to be down. Now, there is another fast-acting insulin called Fiasp that starts working after like five minutes. But generally, the only things you can do are take your insulin or exercise. More often than not, if you do extended periods of cardio, that's going to bring your blood sugar down. So, Jack, if you have high blood sugars and you don't necessarily want to take too much insulin because you don't want to potentially come down and crash really low, I would recommend you just kind of maybe even go out for a short jog, a light walk, and maybe additional insulin on top of that too, just to kind of increase your insulin sensitivity while you're exercising. But as I said, that will depend a lot on how high you are. 
the last time you've eaten, you know, what your plans are for the next hour, two hours, because there there will be a difference between taking two units of insulin and then sitting sitting watching TV for the next three hours compared to taking two units of insulin and going and playing a football match because that football match in itself is going to bring your blood sugar back down highly likely so i suppose again just like we've been talking about in this podcast you can bring your blood sugar down with insulin exercise but you also want to look ahead next few hours even your day to see okay maybe i should take this much insulin because i'm going to be doing this or maybe i should take less insulin because naturally my blood sugar will come down <clears throat> excuse me <laughs> i do that every episode <laughs> or naturally you should take insulin and do exercise i would always like to kind of combine the two jack thank you very much for getting in contact hope that helps and uh, any emails at all from any of the podcasts or maybe you've got a question you've always wanted on to answer the insulin podcast at gmail.com is where you can get us and actually another thing if you are enjoying these podcasts which i hope you are and that's that's why you're listening i also send out a weekly email if you want to join on that so you can go onto my website insulon.com and sign up for my weekly emails it's all diabetes related fitness related all sorts of diabetes motivation information all that good stuff so completely free to join and it's a a nice weekly email to get in there and maybe boost your diabetic confidence Oh, we did another one. Episode 18 down. I look forward to chatting to you next week. Graham, as always, it's a pleasure. Have a good week, everybody. Thanks for listening.